Welcome to Missing the Mouse. I'm Jeremy Pettigrew. And I'm Brad Burleson. We're going to start this week off with a little bit of news. Now, Brad, I don't know if you know about this, but um, right now, in Disney's Hollywood Studios, Toy Story Midway Mania is FastPass Plus only. So, so you're saying there's no standby line whatsoever? There is no standby line. Oh, I hate that. Disney is, they're testing making that attraction FastPass Plus only. No, no. Horrible. What's interesting about that is that the soundstage, I believe it's soundstage one next door to um, Toy Story Midway Mania, is under, it's under strange construction and nobody knows what it's for. What I think is about to happen is they're going to have Toy Story Midway Mania uh, standby and Toy Story Midway Mania Fast Pass Plus. Because there's always such a huge wait, I think they're actually going to make two identical rides, attractions, you know, tracks, and have a, a one just for standby people and one just for Fast Pass Plus people. And that's where this testing is coming from. I guess. I, I mean, I, here's the thing. If they, if they leave some way for standby guests to, uh, to, to ride the attraction... I don't have as much of a problem with it, but that just that would seem crazy to to build a a clone basically of an attraction um directly in the same park, you know? I and, and next door. Yeah, yeah, that I I mean, I guess I could see what you're talking about happening, but it still seems really weird, especially when you think about the amount of money that it costs to put one I mean, even Yeah. Even if you're just making a copy of an attraction, there's a lot of money involved in putting an attraction in place. And essentially, you're, I just don't see where the return on investment comes. Yeah, I don't know. Except that it would get the lines down. Yeah, but are the lines so long that they are actually preventing people from coming back to Walt Disney World? I'm not sure. I think the lines may be so long that it's preventing people from spending money at other places in because in 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 Disney's Hollywood Studios because the way that I think about it is if I'm in line for Toy Story Midway Mania for you know an hour and a half, I'm not going to a gift shop in that hour and a half. I'm not doing I'm not doing a lot of things that I could be doing and that and. and I don't know that that attraction has a pretty regular line that's longer than ninety minutes. Yeah, I mean that's that's very true. And like so, so I understand why they would why they would test a fast pass plus system. I I'm going to say that I hate that idea because I don't like the idea of not. Uh, I mean, it, you know, the they've done that with dining essentially at this point. You cannot. Really, uh, there there are certain times when you can get away with it, but for the most part, you cannot just get a table at a restaurant unless you already have reservations. Um, but they also aren't telling me three reservations. You know, there, there's no real limitation to the reservations. If I want to, I can make reservations at every, uh, you know, at every place, and I could go eat my way around the world or whatever. I would strongly not suggest doing that, but but that is an option. Um, yeah, I. Like I said, again, what it kind of comes, what I keep coming back to is I just don't, when you could put a new attraction in a spot and advertise another new attraction, um, I just don't know why you would put an old, and, th- and I think that's the thing though. If you put enough other attractions in Disney's Hollywood Studios, 
I think the line for Toy Story naturally goes down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's just, especially back in that corner, there's just not that much to do. Exactly. I mean, what else is around Toy Story Midway Mania? Well, not the Backlot Tour anymore. I mean, is Muppet Vision the closest thing? Or Well, okay, so I guess great movie ride technically if you go around the way and whatnot, but the, neither one of those is a huge crowd puller. Yeah, I just, I don't, if they have the space and they can do it, I really don't see the harm in having the exact, like a mirror image of what they have now uh, to just to just make the lines go longer. Cause I, I think they've gotten to the point where if the line was going to shorten up, it would, you yeah. know? And, and I think, cause a lot of people in fast pass came out really hated it. And a lot of people still do because standby lines are so much longer now that people can cut. And so I think that that's a way, and they, they certainly can't do this for a lot of things, but for something like toy store midway mania, where I know you've, you when you were at Disneyland, you texted me and you said, "Hey, I just got you know, ch- check it out. I'm at I'm at Toy Story Midway Mania. The line's only you know eighty five minutes long, and right. it was like that's so short. That's the shortest the line is gonna be all day. And you know that would allow them to have way more fast passes available for Toy Story Midway Mania. Um, and with you know my Magic Plus, a lot more people can get fast passes, and I, I'm. I'm interested to see how that plays out because it's now like so easy to get a fast pass that I think a lot more people are going to get them um, because before you really had to know, okay, we need to go back there and get fast passes. And now that's like the front and center. The first thing you see on the website, you know? Yeah. But, but at the same time, while fast passes are so front and center now, um, I, I dealt with a family a couple of months back, um, that had planned a trip to Disney. Uh, they were some friends of my sister and they, they didn't tell either of us anything about it. And my sister calls me and she's like, they're going to Disney in two weeks. She's like, they have no dining reservations. They have no fast passes. And what are they supposed to do? And yeah, so the, you know, clearly they booked their tickets from somewhere. Um, they, they at some point probably saw the website, but they totally missed that. Um, and you know, they, they were, so, they were somewhat frustrated by the whole dining reservation thing and not, and not being able to get maybe the premium fast passes. Uh, but they dealt with it. But when you suddenly say, Oh yeah, well you didn't get a fast pass, uh, a month out. Well now you just can't totally cannot do that attraction. Yeah. Well, I, I could not get a fast pass to seven doors mine train 60 days out. Yes, but you can wait in line for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Sure, sure. And I think I think that's the big difference. I just don't know how you how can you miss ADRs and or advanced dining reservations and fast pass. I mean, I, I feel like that is a really unusual case. I because I I mean I got I got emails one from my travel agent and two from Disney that was like and Disney sent them like. 55 days out you know their email system was slow but it was like hey you can book your fast passes now and it's like there's so much stuff you have to ignore and i feel like you have to be really uh, i don't know it almost feels like you have to try to not know about 
dining reservations and FastPass Plus. Yeah, but again, I just I I don't know that you're ever going to. I, I feel like the negative press of having a FastPass only attraction would far outweigh the positive benefits of having a FastPass Plus only attraction. Um, but that being said, again, if they if they are if they want to see even a, even with just fast passes, can we keep this busy all day long? And then um, maybe not build so and, and maybe I misunder maybe I'm not understanding correctly. But when you say build a mirror image, I'm thinking you're saying like build the entire attraction. Now I could see rebuilding the ride track in another soundstage and expanding the load and unload, or maybe even building two load and unloads, but keeping with, and possibly redesigning, but keeping with a single entrance to the attraction, a single line set to the attraction. You know what I'm, so that part would all stay the same, but instead just go ahead and double the, just make a carbon copy of the track. Yeah, that's more or less what I was saying, is okay. have, have one entrance, but uh, how... What I what I was saying is how you know the fast pass line often is parallel to the regular line, right? Um, with just a like a rope between them. Have those two, and then at the very end, the regular line would would verge left into load and unload A, and the fast pass plus line would would go right into load unload B, and so you would absolutely have one entrance. And from the outside, I would even say that it, it... You would never know the difference. Right. You would never know. But people with a fast pass are going to go to load, unload B and have the exact same experience as people who are, who are in standby and going to load, unload A. And then, you know, they would even come out at the same spot, you know, obviously through a gift shop or whatever it is. But yeah, that's what I'm saying is, is there wouldn't be like Toy Story Midway Mania standby and Toy Story Midway Mania Fast Pass Plus. It would just be inside the ride. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, I can get behind that a, a lot more easily than building a, like I said, when I was thinking carbon copy, I'm like, dude, there's going to be two toy. That would be so confused, but yeah. Okay. That I can get behind. And I, you know, you'd also, I think you'd want to keep those load unload areas very similar to say, um, space mountain where you, you where you have two load unload areas and you can definitely assign one to fast pass plus and one to standby but in the event that fast pass plus is pretty low or something like that you could off you know you could kind of let go of the pressure valve and throw a couple of people over in there if you needed to absolutely yeah and i, I there is absolutely no way that they are going to keep toy story midway mania fast pass plus only and I, I think that there's no way that Disney would let there be a 90-minute wait in the standby line and 10 people be in the FastPass Plus line. I think they're right. definitely going to meter that. But I do think it's pretty smart to make two completely separate, you know, rides. Or yeah, I, like I said, I, I, think, I think I could get behind that as long as it doesn't, as long as both of them don't suddenly turn FastPass Plus only. Um, uh, but on the other hand, so what... Uh, you know, clearly I'm not on top. I haven't been staying on top of park news because I don't not don't have a planned trip at this point. Um, but did they like give you a, a nice long announce like 60 days out or 65 days out? Did you know this was going to happen? No, no, they did it three days ago. So someone potentially in the park today who had waited too long, I guess, to get their fast passes and the fast passes for Toy Story Midway Mania, I'm guessing we're probably all gone. 
would not be able to get a fast pass or or let's say they already had their day planned out. We both know how once it gets very close, how difficult it can be to reschedule all your fast pass pluses. Suddenly they just can't go to Toy Story Midway Mania. So there are cast members handing out paper fast passes. Oh, there'd better be because I would be raising a ruckus right. if that happened to me. I don't know how many there are. I don't know where they are, but there are cast members who are kind of mitigating that. And I think that they probably their first uh, piece of advice is, well, step over to this FastPass Plus uh, kiosk and, and set up a FastPass Plus to come back for later. And if the person is not happy with that, uh, outcome, I'm sure that they say, okay, well, here's a paper fast pass for you to come back in, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. So, so here's a crazy thought. So, so we're making the argument here that the reason behind Disney choosing to do this is Disney wants to have people free more to shop and to eat and all of the things that actually get additional income for Disney, right? Yes. And and I I would say generally even to just improve the um the guest experience. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So then instead of to make it fast pass, but to not make it fast pass, if you were just if someone was standing there handing out paper fast passes, taking into account you know like let's say you pre printed for the day, based on based on how many people this attraction can put through at any given time, the standby line can can push through this many people in this period of time, you know, somebody does all the math and then basically hands out those fast passes. And and maybe, so, so maybe there's even like a fourth fast pass plus, but it's your standby fast pass. So you walk up, there are 80, there's 80 minutes worth of people in front of you for this attraction. Essentially what it would be if you were to get in the standby line. Right. And you can then, reserve that ride with your fourth fast pass plus which is for your standby attractions and then in 80 minutes you can come get directly onto that ride but you can't immediately then go over to tower of terror and make a fast pass standby as well because you're already virtually waiting in that line this is a temporary test um and i think that it is mostly like you said earlier um to see if they can keep the line full with just fast pass plus people. I, I think before they go in and really like dig into this investment, I think they want to know if they can keep the, keep the queue full of people. And so I think that, I mean, I mean, obviously it is a, it is a switch that is flipped in, in five minutes that ride become uh, the standby line is back, you know? And so I think that on any given day, even, or, or any given half of a day, if it gets too bad, they'll switch the standby line back on and, you know, go back to FastPass Plus tomorrow. Um, there's not a whole lot of news on it. Um, Disney didn't even say anything about it. Like, there's no press release. This has just been reported by people who are there and, like, the Orlando Sentinel, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so there hasn't been a whole lot of, of any kind of news about it. And I think that it's just a, a temporary thing that Disney's not planning on doing for very long. And um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's an interesting idea. I have no idea why they're doing it. I can't imagine another reason though, but I don't think that they're going to let that happen. 
I think that, you know, somebody can get on a, a radio with a, with the cast member working the, you know, the greeter or whatever and say, Hey, uh, standby lines back open. Right. But if you, if you do that, fast pass is based on capacity. I mean, there's, there's a mathematical model that says we can give out this many fast passes. They will take up this percentage of the rides overall capacity at any given moment or, you know, hour by hour, say you're going to devote 30% of the rides overall capacity to fast pass. But if you switched over to fast pass plus only, I would assume part of that test would be a hundred percent of the ride capacity now is fast pass plus. Mm -hmm. So if those fast passes have already been given out for the day, you can't turn back on the standby line because there's no, it, the only way a standby would get in is if somebody did not show up for their fast pass plus, because otherwise you've already accounted for, and, and you probably accounted for more like 90% because you have to leave a buffer in there. Um, but the standby would, you know, have 10 people in it and would be a 45 minute wait. Right. And that would be a horrible experience. So I, yeah, I don't even know that it's something that can turn. I, my, my guess is it's going to be a short test anyway. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, we're talking about this on Thursday and by the time our episode is published on Monday, it's very likely, I think that this test will already be over. Yeah. Well, and that, your scenario supposes that they, they, uh, increased the fast pass plus capacity. You know, they may have left it at 40% or 50% or whatever, and they're just running that attraction low. Yeah. But that wouldn't make any sense either because the, there's, I looking at the looking at Fast Pass Plus availability, Toy Story Midway Mania does not have does not typically have Fast Passes available day of. Yeah. So if they're the forty percent they're currently running at, or whatever number it may be, the the capacity they're currently running at, they're already filling up for sure. an entire day. Sure. So to to run it at to continue running it at that doesn't really tell you anything. I don't think. It, but if you are running, if you are running fast pass at even say sixty percent, if you are if you have sixty percent of the ride's capacity allotted to fast pass plus, and that ride's running at sixty percent capacity, that's the same as allotting a hundred percent of fast pass plus and running the ride at a hundred percent capacity. You know, so they can leave that that even forty percent buffer for paper fast passes, and if they need to turn the standby line back on, and still see okay, we're we are we are saturating this queue and maybe extrapolate that out to be like, so if we ran, you know, 90% fast pass plus, maybe we'd get 85%, you know, I, I think they, you know, they have computer models that can extrapolate oh, data. Definitely. So I just think it's interesting that they've never done that before. They've never had a, a, an, any kind of attraction that was fast pass plus only or fast pass only or anything like that. It's always been standby only or standby and fast pass. And see, the, the thing is that, I, I mean, I see where you're getting the thought that they could just be looking at, is it popular enough? I'm not exactly sure that this sort of test would give you that information. I mean, I think that the wait times and, and lack of fast passes available has already told you that it's popular enough to build a second, a second track. You, you really don't need a test to that. What um, frightens me to some extent is, could this be a larger test of, could we take our e-ticket attractions and make them FastPass Plus exclusives? Yeah. And that, that I, I just, I despise that idea. Well, hopefully that won't happen. But that, that had crossed my mind um, as a possibility. And I think that's, 
maybe not likely, but kind of likely that they would they would do that. I don't doubt for a moment that Disney hasn't considered it. Um, I just hope that it's not something, you know, we all consider a lot of things. Yeah. Let's, let's just not make that the thing you pull the trigger. But all of that being said, I am now totally behind my virtual queue. You know, your fourth fast pass standby only, my virtual queue idea. I am mm-hmm. totally behind this idea. And I want Disney to implement that tomorrow. That'd be pretty sweet. I mean, think about it. You would, know, you would not be really waiting in any significant queues ever again. You wouldn't be riding any more rides than what you're riding right now. And instead, you would suddenly be free to spend more time spending money and, mm-hmm. and going and grabbing, you know, Mickey ice cream and, and all of those other things that, you know, bring in all that residual income. I mean, the only thing that would not, that would suddenly see more people in it would be, you know, um, things like parades, fireworks, because essentially you no longer have to choose, am I going to go watch the three o'clock parade? Or am I going to stand in line for Haunted Mansion because you're virtually in line so you can do both? Right. Um, but I don't think that those have, I, I don't think those are something that they're seeking to control the overall viewing audience through fast passes anyway. Right. Yeah. And you would only have to do that for e-ticket attractions. I mean, as much as I love Country Bear Jamboree, it's not going to have the kind of line that's going to need it. By the time they took the, by the time they hit all the buttons, it would be, okay, well, <laughs> your fast pass is now available. You can go ahead and enter. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the um the short little news thing I had. That's now put us in at twenty yeah. thirty. So uh on to today's main topic, which is the monorail, which is one of my very, very favorite things uh at Disneyland and Disney World. Amen. It is awesome. Um so Disneyland is the original um the monorail there opened in 1959 a long time ago yeah and um so they're at they're at mark seven at that point at this point and basically that's just uh you know they started with monorail mark one um and then you know mark two mark it's versions different versions of the monorail they they introduce a new model and slowly phase out the old ones and you know maybe in 5 years 6 years they will they will introduce mark 8 and start phasing out the mark 7s so now, re- sorry quick question about the marks i know that uh disneyland is running is or excuse me walt disney world is currently running mark 6 6 yes and was previously running mark 4s right they never ran the mark 5s the mark 5s i think were disneyland only yeah now my question is did do you know if Disneyland ever ran more Mark Four or Mark Sixes? I don't. I don't quite understand the the way that they version the monorails, and I don't understand why Mar- uh, Walt Disney World is not running Mark Seven monorails because they are super cool. Um, the only thing I can think of is that the monorails at Disneyland are shorter. I think the monorails at Disneyland are. Th- three cars the monorails at walt disney world are six yeah so i think the disneyland ones are a you know a front because the disneyland ones only ever run in one direction so i think but they're they're symmetrical so i think you have the front and the back and then three passenger cars right at disneyland and i think at walt disney world you have the front and the back and maybe four or five passenger cars yeah like i said i know it's i know it's six total i don't know if that counts passenger car or 
if that differentiates between engine or not. But um, I, I think the, the difference in, like, I don't know that the Mark 7, you know, the motor, because they're electric, the, the electric motor in the Mark 7 could handle the, you know, capacity and the weight of the Walt Disney World monorail. And maybe that's why they haven't moved to Mark 7. Yeah, possibly so. That's uh, that's something to ask um, Imagineering. Yeah, no, I think that I, I think the mark. Yeah, I'm I'm looking uh, because I ask questions and then cheat. Um, but it looks like the Mark Four and Mark Set are, uh, yeah, Mark Four and Mark Seven, right? No, Mark Four and Mark Six. Sorry, the Mark. Oh, too many numbers. The Mark Four and Mark <laughs> Six were Disney World specific. Mark Five and Mark Seven have both been Disneyland specific. Okay, so there there's definitely a difference in in Maybe and maybe the the rails are different. You know, maybe they have to have a, a specific model to run on the or to straddle the the rail. I don't know. That's an interesting question, though. Yeah. So then that because what that brings me to is would the would Walt Disney World be due for the next update with a Mark Eight monorail? I think so. Um, whenever that whenever they actually choose to do so. Which I'm excited for because the Mark Seven looks way cooler than the Six. It does. I, here's the thing: the Mark Sevens look a lot better than the Mark Six as far as just that cool. And, and Mark Sevens to me kind of had a retro um, future. Very much, very much. They're they've got the the really really deep the 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 color schemes are almost opposite of the Walt Disney World one where the the Mark 7 at Disneyland is mostly red with a little bit of white and a little bit of chrome and they're very very sleek like very Jetsons almost and then the the sixes at Walt Disney World are mostly white and they have a little stripe of color and it's a very muted color and they look more like a bus to me <laughs> and and I just, yeah, they, the seven really was a, a shift in, in the industrial design of the monorail. And it does, it, it looks a lot like, you know, like, like the Jetsons. I know I just said that, but, but, it, but it's an accurate depiction of how the future was thought of, you know, what, 30, 40 years ago. I mm-hmm. don't, I don't even know when the Jetsons. That was 50, 50 years ago now. Uh, yeah, so 50 years ago, what the view of the future would be. Um, but at the same time, I think, for me anyway, there's something, uh, you know, and we come back to this so many times, there's something nostalgic about the Mark Sixes um, that I just really enjoy. And, and again, I don't think I would be opposed to a really cool new design, but I, I like the Mark Six design. I, I like the look of the Mark Six. Um and so I guess, I guess part of me goes, I don't know if I want to lose that. But if they came out with something really, really cool, I could probably get behind it. Um, you know, I like the Mark 7s when, when I went to Disneyland. Um, I like the seating layout in them. I like the cool little, you know, the blue LED uh, acrylic light-up stuff in there. Um, looks very sleek. Um but it just it, it didn't it didn't feel like a Mark Six does to me. But again, I think that's that's totally nostalgia, and I can get over it if they want if they want to put a Mark Eight out and make it look really cool. 
I'm sorry, Brad. I don't know about the seating arrangements inside the Mark 7 because I rode in the cockpit. Aren't you special? And it was amazing. Are they still are they still letting people ride in the cockpit on the Mark 7s? Yes, at Disneyland you are allowed to ride in the cockpit. At Disney World, um as of 2009, uh, you are no longer allowed to ride up front because there was an issue where a family was riding up front and the failsafe failed, uh, which is supposed to keep, they have the monorail track sectioned off and, and it's supposed to keep two sections between two trains and that failsafe did not work and two trains collided um, and like injured or killed the people up front. I don't know if they I don't know if they were killed but they were pretty badly injured I think and and so Disney has Disney has since ceased uh riding up front. What's interesting Now I know sorry I I'm, I'm just going to jump in here real quick. I know with the 2009 incident the pilot sustained injury or may I think the pilot may have died. Yeah, the, the pilot died in the 2009 incident but that's the only that that was the only There death. wasn't a family up front in that I, one. I don't even know that there was a family up front in that okay. one. I don't uh, because families, you know, they're, they don't always load the pilot car, um, or the engine. And I don't know that they actually, whether or not they loaded that one then, but yes, the, the, the pilot was killed in that. And so that is why they don't, you know, because there's always a chance of that happening again. Yeah. Um, no matter how many fail safes you put in and MAPO seems like a really good fail safe system, but, or MAPO, sorry. Uh, but it's just not there. Well, what's interesting is uh, the Disneyland monorail goes 30 miles per hour. It's like that's that it gets up to 30. It does 30. And the Disneyland one is very, 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 very different structure or not structurally, but in what its job is. Disneyland stops in Tomorrowland right next to Finding Nemo Submarine Voyage and in the downtown Disney area. And that's it. It has two stops. It'll get you from downtown Disney to Tomorrowland and back. But that's it. At Walt Disney World, there are two monorail lines. The, it, they stop at Magic Kingdom, the Contemporary Resort, the Transportation and Ticket Center, and the Polynesian, which are the same stop, I believe, right? Uh, which ones? TTC and the Poly. Those are no. the same stuff. No, no, they're not. Okay, no, those are separate. So, the only the only stops that are the same are the the TTC and the Epcot at TTC stop. So basically, right. Whether whichever one, whichever monorail you're on, uh, you're going to transfer at the TTC to go from one to the other. So that's going to be the only one that you're going to have multiple stops at. Right. Uh, of course, other than Magic Kingdom, where the Express and the Resort will both stop. Sure. Okay. So you're going to go. Transportation Ticket Center, the Polynesian, and the Grand Floridian on the resort track. And then you'll go back to the Magic Kingdom after the Grand Floridian. Um, on the There's another monorail line that goes to Epcot and back. And I believe there's a, there's a third one that's the Express that takes you to the TTC and back to the Magic Kingdom. Yes, yeah. So That runs counterclockwise on the inner loop. Um... I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. To to go inner outer is going to be way above um, where I'm where I where I'm comfortable talking about it. But yes, it's it, so essentially the the idea here was you know Walt wanted to first of all he wanted he wanted to actually make a monorail system that was a 
you know, an active transportation system, whereas the one in Disneyland was really strictly built as a ride because, as Jeremy said, um, it does currently take you between downtown Disney and Tomorrowland. Downtown Disney did not exist when this was built. It was built as an attraction. Right. It was a sightseeing tour almost. Yes. And, and that's and that was a really cool thing. But Walt wanted to expand upon this and actually make it part of the transportation. You know, as originally envisioned, there would be monorails. There would be monorails to DHS. There would be a monorail to Animal Kingdom, to all of the new resorts, you know, Pop Century. Everything would be accessible by monorail, but I, you know, it's it's an expensive thing uh, to it's an expensive outlay of money to put all of that track out there. So, you know, it was expanded to Epcot in '82. That was the last expansion uh, of the monorail system. But yeah, you do. So you've got the Epcot Loop that goes from Transportation and Ticket Center, and then you've also got the Express and Resort uh, that both stop at the TTC. And the Express exists because, um, you know, whereas uh, at DAC you can essentially park directly in front of the entrance to the park. Uh, directly in front of might be a little bit of a strong term because unless you get there uh, an hour before to get in line, <laughs> you could still be a far way away and still need to use the tram. But what Brad means is the parking lot is technically adjacent to the park entrance. There you go. But with Magic Kingdom, the parking lot is across Bay Lake, so about a mile away from the entrance to the parks. Right. So. And, and that, again, was on purpose, and the idea was the monorail will be what we will use to transfer people to and from the parks. And now it's the monorail uh, buses and the ferry that will get you there and back, um, you know, it, because there's a lot more people trying to go. Um, and I think and the ferry might have been there since the beginning, but anyway. So that's what the, ex that's what the Express exists for. The resort one exists, though, for resort guests at any of the original resorts. Uh, who were on that monorail line. So, you, again, contemporary Grand Floridian and Polynesian to also get to Magic Kingdom. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about staying at a Magic Kingdom resort area hotel is that you can take the monorail to and from the Magic Kingdom from, in the, in the contemporaries, you know, say, right inside of your hotel. Yes, that, I mean, dude, it is so, and and whereas you have ridden in the Disneyland, I have ridden the pilot car of the Walt Disney World monorail system prior to 2009. Cool. Yeah, so I actually got to experience from the from the pilot car entering into the contemporary, which is oh, totally cool. freaking awesome. Yeah. Um but yeah, it just the the idea of going through the inside of a resort is so freaking cool. And the the interesting thing to me about the Walt Disney World one, you know, one of the interesting things I should say is that that, that monorail can go 55. Yeah, it's capped at 40, but it does, it does have a higher top speed than that. Yeah, I think, yeah, the top speed's 55, the, the average speed or whatever is 40, but that, like, that thing is crazy. And when you're on it, it's weird to bank into turns. That yes. was so unsettling the first time I, I was riding from the Magic Kingdom to Epcot because it's going so fast that it does actually have to bank into turns. And, and I, for a split second, had like, I almost pooped out my heart because I was so <laughs> scared. I was like, oh, we're falling off the track, you know, but it's it banks into the turns. And that's something that I don't think or maybe not to that extent the one at Disneyland does. Well, well again, the Disneyland run is an attraction that runs at 30 miles per hour. It doesn't have the necessity to bank into turns 
at the same you know at the same uh, pitch right that the Walt Disney World one does because the Walt Disney World one is more focused in getting you from point A to point B sure um, as quickly as possible. But yeah, uh, the monorail is something that you know you can say that other theme parks have more thrilling roller coasters and and they you know are maybe i don't know i wouldn't say anything is easier to get around than than disneyland but just you can other other theme parks maybe do certain things better than disney parks do but the monorail is something that has yet to be is yet to be duplicated and and it's just so much fun to get on a train that floats you know, when you're on the monorail, unless you're riding up front, you cannot see the track. And you're just looking out the window, you know, from however high, you know, 30 feet up or however high the track is. And you you're literally feel like you're floating. And I believe that the Disney refers to the guys who drive the monorail as pilots. And they, they do refer they refer to it as flight, you know, like thank you for flying Walt Disney or the Disneyland monorail, you know? So they, they really, they really latch onto that. But yeah, I just think, man, the monorail is so interesting and, and it's so interesting that, you know, I know now universal Orlando has the Hogwarts express to get you from uh universal to islands of adventure and back. But before that they didn't have, they didn't have anything. And like a monorail just seems one, it would be, you know, like they could do it, quote, cooler than Disney did, you know, or faster or something, you know, make it a make it a fun bullet train type thing. But it, I just I don't I don't understand why no one has tried to capture that that magic. You know, other people have copied pretty much everything else from any Disney park, but the monorail doesn't really seem like something that other people care to that or Disney has patented the crap out of all of the things that you need to make a huge monorail infrastructure and no one can do it. Well, and, and we know that that's not the case because the Mark fours, when they were taken out and replaced with the Mark sixes at Walt Disney world, were actually sold to Las Vegas for the beginnings of the Las Vegas monorail. Ah. Yes. So they were, I, I think they have been replaced since then, um, sometime in the, two, in the aughts, <laughs> the early to mid-2000s. Uh, I think they actually were replaced with some other uh, model, and it was not a Disney model, but Vegas actually initially bought uh, two, I, I believe it was two of the trains uh, to start their monorail mm -hmm. system that they have that runs, I think, down the strip or something like that. I you know, I haven't ridden it personally, but, um, yeah, so, so they, you know, it's been used again as transportation. I think the bigger issue is that there's just, no one else has had a need for transportation like that. Yeah. Um, and without that need, there's just no sense in making a monorail. I don't think a monorail as an attraction is really going to draw crowds anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and you have to have something interesting to show people to, to draw a crowd. You know, I, I consistently, and, and will suggest again for the umpteenth time, take a day and go visit the resorts and do so on the monorail. Go visit the Poly, go visit the Grand Floridian, and go visit the Contemporary and take the resort monorail from resort to resort. Because, first of all, you get to see some really awesome resorts. Second of all, you get to see, you know, Bay Lake. You get to, to just take in all the sites that are there. 
Um, I don't know that other places would really have that. My guess is that the Hogwarts Express, because I believe, don't they have, don't they have something over the windows? Yeah, the windows are screens. Right, so they can actually, and, and to take nothing away from Universal, it's, it's very, very cool, the videos that I've seen. Crystal said that she you know, thought it was a, a really cool thing that they did with it and everything. Um, but take that away, and I don't know that somebody would really want to look out the window. Yeah. You know, um, Disney has a unique ability to do that because of where they are situated and where they are located um, to, to create transportation that also has really cool views along the way. Um, and Disneyland's, I don't think, would still be there if it wasn't for the fact that it is transportation now. And they did build some things around it to give it something going on. Right. You know, as, as you go over the seven uh, or as you go over the submarine ride and all of those sorts of things, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just to wrap up this monorail talk, uh, can we agree that the monorails in Tokyo, which is the only other park that has monorails. No, Hong uh, Kong has monorails as well. Hong Kong does too. They do. Okay. Well, the ones in Tokyo are fugly, man. <laughs> they, they, uh, okay. But here's the one thing about the ones in Tokyo. I believe the ones in Tokyo actually have, uh, Mickey shaped windows. Yeah, they do. And, and fugly. So, <laughs> so while you may not like the design, I actually kind of like it because it's it's unique. It's different and I like the Mickey shaped windows. I think those are kind of awesome. So, you can feel however you want to feel. The overall train design, yes, is very boxy, blocky. It looks like a a, a, a shoebox turned on its side with Mickey shaped holes cut in the cut in it. I mean, it's so tall and skinny and weird. I don't understand at all. Yeah, but it's also it's also not part of the Mark system, and you know doesn't have the design history. I don't I don't even know that WDI actually created those. No, it's run by another company, much like the the other Disney things in Asia. Exactly in the, in the Asian area, I guess. Right, because I think Oriental Land handled a lot of that. Yeah. Um. So I think that probably speaks to why the overall design is what it is. But for what they are, I actually enjoyed the I enjoyed the monorails, but they felt they definitely felt much more like I was on a Disney themed train mm. than I was on a monorail. Yeah. So that I, I will give you that I definitely prefer the US monorail, but I'm not going to go so far as to call them fugly. So <laughs> you you will have to stand by that one on your own, my friend. And I do. I do stand by that. I also stand by our Twitter account, which is at MTM Podcast. Um, and I stand by the fact that we have a Facebook and we are missing the mouse on Facebook and that we have a website and it's missing the mouse.co. And I stand by the fact that you should visit all of those and you should follow, like tweet, whatever you can do to interact with us. Yes. And tell us what you like about the show and tell us what you don't like about the show and leave us a review in iTunes. We have one review right now. And before you leave a review, please don't look at the other review because it's bad. So if you like the show, leave a review. If you don't like the show, maybe just tweet us and tell us what's wrong so we can fix it. And then you can leave a good review. And after you leave a review, make sure you have a magical day. (laughs) 